Amen. Well, let's turn to Romans. <clears throat> Romans 13 today. <coughs> so we've made our way through this section of Romans. We've looked at the believer's relationships with various parts of his life. We looked at, in chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, we looked at uh, the Christian's relationship, the believer's relationship with God. And verses 3 through 8, his, uh, his relationship with himself. Verses 9 through 13, other believers. Uh, other believers. And then 14 through 21, unbelievers. And then we went into chapter 13. We saw the relationship of the Christian with the government. 8 through 10, verses 8 through 10, fellow citizens. And now we come to verses 11 through 14 of chapter 13, where it speaks of the believer's relationship with time itself. Uh, let's read chapters uh, 13, verses 11 through 14 here. The Bible says, And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to wake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly in, as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Uh, time is important to everyone, isn't it? Uh, if we're out of, town, uh, out of time, that means we've died. Uh, and we all have the same amount of time in the day, at least. Uh, sometimes others have more years than others, but, uh, but we are not promised the next moment. Uh, this moment is all we have. So it's vitally important that we, as Christians, use our time wisely. And let's see uh, this evening five things that Paul tells us that it is high time for the believer to do. Uh, first of all, let's look at, uh, it, in verse number 11, it is uh, time to know the time. I'm sorry, I started controlling it. You go for it if you want to. Uh, verse 11 says, And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than we believed. It says, knowing the time. Uh, we need to know what time it is. Amen. Uh, of course, not uh, what time the clock says. Uh, Y'all just forget about the clock today, okay? And, uh, but, uh, but realize where we are in human historical timelines, okay? And nobody quoting this verse to me in the middle of my sermon, okay? And knowing the time, Pastor, knowing the time, it is high time, <laughs> okay? Uh, no. Uh, but we need to pay attention, he's saying. We need to get busy. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Redeeming the time because the days are evil. And there's no doubt that there is evil all around us, Amen. I mean, all you have to do is just uh, step outside a lot of times. Uh, but, you know, just a visit to a store or looking at the news or uh, any other thing. I mean, you just uh, not to mention looking at our own lives at times, you know, whenever we walk away from the Lord. But we need to redeem the time that we now have and purposefully live for the Lord. And the word redeem here means to buy back. Uh, just as a slave may be redeemed or bought back, he, has, he is bought back out of the market. And no longer for sale, uh, no longer on the market. We need to buy back our time for, from this evil world and use it for God. Don't use it for evil. Don't use it for the world. Don't use it, just waste it. Uh, but buy back the time that we have. Redeem the time for the Lord. Um, we can't do anything about redeeming yesterday. Uh, there's nothing we can do about yesterday. And we're not promised tomorrow. And so we can't do anything about tomorrow. So the only thing that we can do anything about is right now. And the redeeming of the time means right now doing what you're supposed to. Not planning for tomorrow, because we have no idea. 
what are you going to do to redeem the time right now? And we don't know when the Lord will come, so we better get busy right now. Amen? And 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7 says, But the end of all things is at hand. But be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. Peter and Paul both, I believe, believe that the Lord was coming back in their lifetime. And, uh, you know, it's, it's now. He says, the end of all things is at hand. We better get busy. Better be serious. Be sober. Watch unto prayer. And the end is at hand. Take it seriously. I wish I could have had more time to pastor. Uh, I, wa I wasted so much time doing other things. I think about my dad, and he was pastoring when I was born, and he was, I was born in his 30s. You know, I didn't get, start pastoring, senior pastor at least, until in my 40s. I've been in the ministry for 20, over 20 years, uh, but it's always at the uh, obedience to someone over me <laughs> and their decisions on how to do things and stuff. And, and uh, being in control, it wasn't the issue, but being able to just freely go do what I feel like the Lord would have me to do. And, uh, you know, uh, but redeeming the time, and time is short, and uh, we need to get busy for them. It's time to know the time. Uh, the verse continues and says that seeing that it is uh, this time, we need to, number two, wake up. We need to wake up. It says that it is high time to awake out of sleep. <coughs> For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Now, he's not talking about our salvation when we're going to get saved, of course. He's talking about now the fulfilling of our salvation, the Lord coming back and getting us. We raptured out of this place. Uh, when that is completed and we are glorified, uh, then that is coming. It's nearer now than it was when we first believed. And, uh, of course, that's how time works. <laughs> uh, but uh, what he's saying is it's getting closer and closer. The rapture is sooner to us than it has ever been before. Uh, I know Peter and Paul thought it was going to happen in their lifetime, and that was thousands of years ago. Uh, but uh, nevertheless, it's still closer than it was. And we don't know when it's going to happen. Nothing has to happen in this world or this timeline, I don't believe, uh, for Christ to come back. We're not waiting on anything, any prophecy to be fulfilled. Uh, and uh, others disagree with me and say this, has to, this or that has to happen, but I, I, just reading Scripture, I don't see that. I think that it can happen at any moment. Have we done all that needs to be done to prepare for our meeting Jesus? Uh, far too often we're asleep on the job, amen? And 1 Corinthians 15, 34 says, Awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. He says, hey, awake to doing right and don't do wrong because there are people out there that don't know God that needs to know God. He says, I speak this to your shame. They should have already heard. <laughs> okay? Hey, and the sooner we get out there and tell people about Christ, the sooner Christ is going to come back. Amen? The last that will believe, it believes. And uh, he'll, he'll come. Now, I don't think we can do anything to adjust his timeline, really. But uh, nevertheless, uh, God... Uh, we need to do, be faithful and do use the time that God has given us. We need to wake up. Get out of this world's distractions and sin. Uh, we don't have time for that. Uh, there are people out there who just don't know Jesus as their Savior, and uh, he's coming soon, and we don't have time to fool around. 1 Thessalonians 5, 6 says, Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober, be serious. So let's get serious. Don't sleep on the job, amen? Uh, people who sleep on their job get fired, amen? Unless they're in a union, maybe. No, anyways. Uh, you know, but they, uh, you know, they, we got to make sure that we uh, don't sleep on the job. We got to wake up and get busy. And then number three, 
we need to put on the armor. We need to put on the armor. It says verse number 12, The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. The night is far spent. It's later than you think. Okay? It's, uh, can it get much darker around here? Uh, I, well, we thought that probably 20 years ago. Uh, and it did get darker. <laughs> uh, but nevertheless, boy, it doesn't seem like it can get more sinful around here uh, in this world. Uh, but the day is far spent. It's later than you think. The day of the Lord is at hand. And so then he tells us to do a couple of things off, uh, here. First of all, in the ver this verse it says, Cast off the works of darkness. Cast off the evil works, letter A. The imagery here is that of taking off a garment and casting it aside away from you. And Paul had much to say about the believer's relationship with all those around us. And now, because the time is short... We need to cast aside every evil thing that distracts us. Not just take it off, but he says, cast it off. P throw it away from you. Get it as far away from you as you can. Get serious about this thing. Ephesians 4.22 says that you put off concerning the former conversation. That's the former behavior of the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. <coughs> Excuse me. Again, the language is that of casting off a garment that we're wearing. Now it says the former conversation, the former behavior of the old man, the flesh. Don't go after the things of the flesh, the old man, the way you used to live. Uh, you need to seek after the things of righteousness and the new man. Uh, the old man and the flesh is corrupt according to deceitful lusts. And the devil will try to pull us, to entice us away from our, uh, by our own desires. We need to cast it off. And we need to put off the works of darkness. What are the works of darkness? Well, the Bible has much to say about that. Look at Colossians 3, 8 and 9. It says, But now ye also put off all of these. What does he say? Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with its deeds. And these are the deeds of the old man. Put them off. No anger, no wrath, no malice, no blasphemy or filthy communication, or gossip, no lying. And First Peter tells us a few more. In First Peter chapter 2, verse 1, he says, Wherefore, laying aside, again the same language, all malice, all guile, all hypocrisies, and envies, and all evil speaking, he says, cast it away. Jesus said in John 3, he said, And this is the condemnation, that light is coming to the world, but men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. He says, for everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. You don't want to go into the light because you, it shows your flaws. It shows the deeds that are evil. We don't want to be shown that. And so we like the darkness better. Verse 21 says, but he that doeth truth cometh to the light. If you're interested in the truth, you're going to step into that light and let that, those deeds be shown so you can confess them, so you can make them right that they may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. And Ephesians tells us to have no fellowship with darkness at all. And so we cast off the works of darkness. And then the second thing he tells us to do, not only cast off the evil works, but put on the armor of light. And later in this chapter, he tells us to put on the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Be like him. Uh, but to fight the battle, we're going to have to put on the armor of light. 
And that is the armor of righteousness. 2 Corinthians 6, 7 says, uh, By the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left. But it's also the armor of God as is described in Ephesians chapter 6. Where he says, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take upon unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. Uh, you're having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You were, your shoes are, uh, your feet are protected by the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, and wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayers and supplications in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. The question is, are you prepared? Are you prepared? It is time to know the time, amen? And the battle is, uh, the battle is here, and we need to be ready for it. It's time to wake up. It's time to put on your armor and get ready for the battle. And then Paul tells us here that it's time, number four, to walk honestly. Walk honestly. Let us walk honestly as in the day, verse 13. Not in rioting or drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. <coughs> it's time to behave properly as a Christian, not to behave. Amen? <coughs> that is to walk appropriately, honorably. He says in that day, in the day, uh, uh, he says uh, to walk, where, where am I? Okay. Uh, let us walk honestly as in the day. Uh, that's opposed, as opposed to walking in darkness, okay? Uh, jo uh, Job very poetically speaks of the works of darkness. Uh, Job chapter 24, verse 14, he says, The murderer rising with a light killeth the poor and needy, and in the night is a thief. And the eye of the adulterer waiteth for the twilight, saying, No eye shall see me, and disguiseth his face. In the dark they dig through houses, which they have marked for themselves in the daytime. They know not the light. Boy, things didn't change much, have they? You know, robbers and uh, thieves will go through and mark a house that they, they want to rob and tag it so that they can come back and come and, and steal things. Uh, did you realize that things hadn't changed that much since you know, the time of Job? Probably the earliest uh, uh, time frame that, uh, that we have record of, uh, at least right at the time of writing. And, uh, but he says, verse 17, For the morning is to them even as the shadow of death. If one know them, they are in the terrors of the shadow of death. And in the daylight, they get caught. And, uh, but in the darkness, evil things are done. And things are done in the dark because they're shameful and dishonest. And we represent the king. And we need to walk honestly, amen? And that means, uh, first of all, letter A, uh, not fleshly partying. I don't know, maybe I could have worded that better, but that's just how I did it. It says, not in rioting and drunkenness. Rioting means feasting or reveling. Uh, it, it's, 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 spoken of, uh, of the, it's speaking of the wicked feasts and banquets <coughs> that they would hold where all kinds of impurity and obscenities would occur. The Christian has no business being at these kind of events. 
I used to work for a pest control company in the office. And every year they would talk about a Christmas party that everyone was invited to and that was hosted by the Association of uh, Bay Area Association of Pest Control Companies. And it was sponsored by various pest control product companies. And they lavished upon all these uh, pest control people uh, all kinds of these uh, fancy dinner and, and all these things. And it was a free meal and, uh, and even had some door prizes, you know, and pretty much everybody took something home in a raffle type thing. And I should have known better than to go to that event. I should have known better. But when I got there, I found out the sponsors provided an open bar. And this is why all those guys wanted to go. <laughs> And boy, I was stuck in a very awkward place, in a place that I had no business being at, and I had no way to get home uh, because I, I foolishly rode with someone else to this party. And boy, I just had to endure it. And I just, the whole time I, I was there, I felt like, you know, the, a Christian ought not to be here. You know, a Christian doesn't belong in a bar, okay? And a Christian doesn't belong in a party where people are getting drunk and, uh, and all kinds of, it, it leads to wickedness. If nothing else, it loosens the mouth, if nothing else. And the Christian doesn't belong at a party where alcohol or inappropriate music or inappropriate dancing is happening. And I say, oh, Pastor, you're old-fashioned. Okay, I'm, I, maybe I am. But you know what? I was pure when I got married. Amen? And it's because I made decisions like this to stay away from places that would have led me into temptation. I have never taken a drink of alcohol by my choice. <laughs> I have had a chocolate that a friend gave me, and I bit into it, and I was flooded with this very hot liquid, it felt like. And uh, I was like, what in the world? And my throat is burning. My mom said, I think that probably had alcohol in it, you know. And I thought, I thought for sure I was going to get drunk. But uh, I threw the rest of the chocolates away and uh, brought all the way from Germany, from somebody that went to Germany. She had no idea it had, had alcohol in it. And, uh, and it was... Uh, Chocolate tasted good before I bit it, you know, before I bit through. But, uh, you know, I, I, I don't want anything to do with that stuff, so I threw it away. When I was in high school, I remember my friends talking about going out over the weekend, and I started getting kind of hurt about, you know, why I wasn't being invited to some of these things. I'd get invited to some things, but then there were other things that I'd hear about, and like, well, fine. <laughs> you know, they're not inviting me to these things. I remember asking them one time, well, how come you didn't invite me? And it sounds like y'all had a lot of fun. My friend just looked dumbfounded and, and told, told me, well, we didn't think you would want to come. We were going to a party and they, we knew there would probably be drinking there and we knew you were a Christian. Boy, doesn't that tell you something? I never said anything about alcohol. I never said anything about not drinking. I never said anything about that. But they said, we knew you were a Christian, so we assumed you didn't drink. Hey, that ought to tell us something, amen? Even the world recognizes that. We don't belong there. Uh, letter B, not in sexual immorality. He says, not in chambering and wantonness. The word translating chambering is the Greek word, uh, is the Greek word koites, to lie with. It, it's used here and translated as chambering because it carries the idea of cohabitation. The word uh, carry, in the Greek carries the idea of cohabitation, living with someone when you're not married. Uh, and wantonness. Uh, it's uh, licentiousness, lasciviousness, debauchery, sexual excess, or the absence of restraint. That's what that word means. He's saying the Christian needs to walk honestly, not giving into the flesh. And God is still concerned about purity. Amen. I uh, say so this is 2023. I understand it. I understand it is, but God is outside of time. 
And he knew what would happen in 2023, and he knew what the world would be like in 2023 when he wrote the Bible uh, and, and was established in heaven before time ever existed. And God's word never changes, and God never changes, and God's requirements for Christians never changes. God is still concerned about purity. And this world may have to let go. Uh, uh, this world may have let go of the idea that you ought to be married before you move in together, but God has not. Okay. The Christian ought to protect himself from impurity. And then he said to walk honestly and let her see, not in jealous strife. He said, not in strife and envying. And strife means contention, wrangling, or fighting. And we have a testimony to hold up here. We as Christians have a testimony. We can't win the world for Christ if we're known for fighting each other. Amen? Uh, uh, we can't... Uh, be fighting the unsaved around us either and try to win, the, the, win, the, uh, win this world for Christ. I think I've told this story before, but my previous pastor lived in a small town and <coughs> he decided he didn't want to be in the Southern Baptist Convention again. He just felt convicted that they were doing things that they didn't agree, he didn't agree with. And so he resigned the church. He wasn't going to cause problems in the church. He just resigned the church and went and uh, decided to let the Lord uh, lead him somewhere. And, uh, and the church contacted him and said, uh, we want you to be our pastor. And he goes, if we pull out of the convention before you come back, would you come and be our pastor again? And he said, well, I don't want, you to, you know, I don't want to pull you out. He said, no, we're going to pull out before you come, and then we'll call you again and be your pastor. He said, okay. And uh, it was a small town and everything, and they had a building that they had borrowed money from the Southern Baptist Convention to buy this, but had already paid it back. They were debt-free. And uh, the local... Uh, Southern Baptist representative contacted them and said, listen, that building belongs to us. If you're no longer going to be in the Southern Baptist Convention, then you need to give us that building. And he said, wait a minute, we've paid that money back. He said, but it was Southern Baptist uh, money. And uh, he said, I don't, I don't think that's right. I don't think that's legal. And uh, he said, well, yeah, I'm sorry, but that's the way it's going to be. He, pastor went to a, a lawyer and he talked to him, and he said, do we have a case? He said, you absolutely have a case. You will absolutely win this case, no doubt. He said, but listen to me, you'll lose this town. He said, when this town finds out that you are fighting amongst the other Christians, you're not going to win another soul to Christ in this town. You'll win the fight, but you'll lose the battle. We don't need to be fighting, Amen. Our wants and our desires, and I say, but it's not fair. Who cares? Somebody's eternal soul is more important than fair. And who says life is fair? Amen? Let's just get over that right now. Okay? Life is not fair. But we need to, uh, it's a spirit of constant uh, fighting and competition that pushes yourself forward while putting other people down, ignoring other people, or holding others back, or blaming others. We need to cast that away from us. Philippians 2.3 says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. We need to look at others and realize they are better than us, and we need to view it that way. No, we should not be known for our strife or our jealousy. And that, <coughs> that's the word, meaning of the word there, envying here in our verse. It's jealousy means jealousy or angry, and it's a work of the flesh. 
We saw that in Galatians, I think it was this morning in Sunday school. Galatians 5, 19 and 20 says, Now the, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, and heresies. And these all have to do with this, and it's all lumped together with these horrible things. Uh, but these strife and seditions and heresies are involved in that too. And it's linked right along with idolatry, witchcraft, adultery, fornication, and lasciviousness. And we need to be careful. And this certainly should not describe the believer. And time is short. It's time to know the time. It's time to wake up. It's time to put on the armor of light. It's time to walk honestly. And then it's time, number five, to plan for right. To plan for right. Verse 14, it says, But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. We'll never do what we need to do in the time that we uh, have left to do it if we don't plan for success. Amen? Uh, they say what's not on your schedule is never going to get done. You know, uh, We need to plan for success. And how can we have success in this sinful world? Letter A, first of all, by putting on Christ. He says, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to clothe ourselves with Jesus Christ and his righteousness. This is a purposeful decision. It's a plan for right. And we're to be so closely bound to him and his righteousness that we are, uh, that they're to be our clothes. His righteousness will be our future clothing in heaven, by the way. Uh, Revelation 19, 7 through 8 says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife hath made ready herself, ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. Where did the, righteousness, where did the saints get their righteousness? Our righteousness is as filthy rags. Where did we get white linen that is the righteousness of the saints? It only came from only one place. Christ. Amen? Who is this bride, that the wife that's making ready? It's the bride of Christ, the church, us. Okay? And so our future clothes is going to be Christ's righteousness, God's righteousness. So today we're told to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Ephesians 6.14, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having the breastplate of righteousness. In the Roman army, the breastplate was the central part of the soldier's armor. It provided protection to the most vital organs, the heart and the lungs. We need the, the breastplate to protect our hearts, amen? Put on the breastplate of righteousness, is to put around our hearts the truth that we are righteous, we are declared righteous. And we need to hold on to that truth and wrap our hearts in that, not by our own works, but we have been declared righteous by God. We are given righteousness to us by God. His righteousness. And wearing the breastplate of righteousness is to recognize this truth and use this truth to live our lives and fight the battle. It means that when we face temptations, we turn to Him for help, recognizing that we have the righteousness of God and we can say no. It no longer holds us bondage, but we have to turn to Him and His righteousness. It means guarding our hearts from the devil's attacks, watching out for the snares of the devil. Put on Christ, put on his righteousness to protect your heart from the evil attacks of our enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And this means doing what he would do. You remember WWJD? What would Jesus do? 
I think it's probably time to bring that back, amen? I think some people, and some Christians especially, need to be asking themselves that. If you haven't read the book In His Steps by Sheldon, uh, so I can't remember the, his first name, but Sheldon is his name. Um, I, I guarantee you the library probably has it or they can get it. But In His Steps, if you haven't read that book, I highly recommend that you read that book. This is where this phrase came from, uh, this book, and what would Jesus do? And uh, it changed the entire town because of this. And, uh, and ask yourself, before you make a decision, before you do something, what would Jesus do in this situation? And look only at what Jesus would look at. Listen to only what Jesus would listen. Talk only to what, uh, as Jesus would talk. Eat and drink only as Je what Jesus would consume. Amen? Uh, think only what Jesus would think. And putting on Christ is a constant submission to what Christ would have us do. Okay? A yielding to the Spirit of God. And we can do this much better if we, let her be, uh, make no provision for the flesh. Make no plan for it. It says, make no, not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. The word provision means to know ahead, to provide for something. <coughs> it means to plan for something. Here the Bible tells us not to make any plans that would allow the flesh to win. Amen? And Jesus is talking about this, uh, uh, about this, uh, what, excuse me, try that again. Jesus, when he was talking about this, used hyperbole, not a direct command when he said this in Matthew 5, 29 and 30. He said, if thy right eye offend thee, what he say? Pluck it out and cast it from thee. He's not literally saying he's using hyperbole, an exaggeration of to make a point, okay? So don't go home and pluck your eye out, okay? Uh, but he says, this is how serious it is, Okay? Uh, if I write, I offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Verse 30, and if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off, cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And Jesus had just talked about the fact that even uh, looking upon a woman with lust in their heart is committing adultery with them in, already in their heart. Now he uses hyperbole to say, don't even allow yourself to fall. Uh, even if it means plucking your eyes out and casting it from you. Uh, even if it means cutting your hand off so you don't touch a woman in a way that you're not supposed to. And he's not, again, not likely or encouraging us or ordering us to do this. But he's saying it's how serious this is. He's just telling us what this verse in Romans is saying. Make no provision for the flesh. Don't give you an opportunity to fail. Okay? If you have a problem with drinking, don't go to the bar. Amen? If you have a problem, don't go there. Don't even walk down the aisle of the supermarket that has the alcohol. Okay? If you have a problem with lust, uh, don't go to the beach where a bunch of women are half-dressed. Don't watch movies that give you an opportunity to lust. If you have a problem with uh, smoking, don't go to the break area designated for smoking. <laughs> Amen? I know people who are trying to quit smoking, yet they'd go out and talk to people who were smoking. I was like, man, you're just setting yourself up for failure. You know, get away from it completely. And uh, he goes, oh, no, I, if I don't go out there, I don't get a chance to talk to my friends. I was like, well, what's more important? <laughs> Die, living <laughs> or uh, talking with your friends? Okay, find another time. Find another place to talk to them. Uh, if you have a problem with overeating, don't go look at the fridge at night. Amen. Uh, you know, if you have to put a lock on it or uh, put a WWJD on the, on the front of the fridge, you know, 
and uh, maybe glowing lights so if you do it in the dark, you still see it. But, uh, you know, if you have a problem remaining pure with the opposite sex, don't be alone with the opposite sex ever, anywhere. Amen? It's just common sense. Okay? If you have a problem with anger, don't dwell on things that make you angry. Okay? Make no provision for the flesh. Don't make plans to make it easier for your flesh to be fulfilled. Okay? Plan for success. Guard your heart. Guard yourself with the righteousness of Christ. What would, Christ, what would Jesus do? And dear Christian, the time is at hand. And time is short. It's time to know the time, amen? It's time to wake up and get busy. It's time to put on the armor of light. Cast off the evil works and put on the armor of God. It's time to walk honestly. Don't act like this world. You can't win them over if you're like them. Amen? I know Christians who dress like the world and, uh, and you know, make themselves look like the world so they can win the world and be like them. They don't want somebody that's like them. They want somebody who's different, who's figured it out, who can say, don't be like that. Come over to this side. Christ will help you. Jesus has the answer. They don't want to look at you and say, boy, you look just as bad as I do. <laughs> you look just as much problems as I'm having. No, they want somebody who uh, can say, this is the way, the truth, and the life. It's time to plan for doing right. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Time is short. The need is great. And the calling is from God. Let's heed the call and redeem the time. Amen? We need to do right and uh, have a right relationship with time. We're going to give an answer to it for it. Uh, when that day when we face God, we're going to give an answer for all that we have done. The Bible says both good and bad. That's the Christians he's talking to. Okay? So, oh, I thought we'll never be... No, you're not going to be eternally judged for, for sin. It's going to go through the fire. and It's either going to be burned up like wood, hay, or stubble, or it's going to come out like precious stones and gold and silver. And therefore, you will get rewards for that which you do, which is eternal, which is right. And it's not, it's not worth it. Okay? On that day, people are going to be sorrowful and realize that they had wasted so much time. Now let's redeem the time. Amen? Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer and we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for this passage, Lord, and so much truth in just a few verses. I pray, Lord, that you would help us, Father, to have courage to make the hard decisions. Help us to set ourselves up for success and not make plans and prepare ourselves to do wrong. <coughs> I pray that you guide us through all this. Help us, enable us, <coughs> and help us to yield to your Holy Spirit. I pray that you bless us tonight, Lord, and keep us safe as we go our separate ways. I pray that you bring us back safely together to be able to worship you. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen. All right, you are dismissed. Have a good evening. Thank you for coming out. It's good to see everybody.